Good morning. Um, I'm sure I can talk as, as people sit down and do some introductions as, uh, as Sally is sorting out the IT here. My name's Ian Ellerington. I've been running the innovation programme at the Department of Energy and Climate Change uh, in London in the UK. We've had uh, a programme on energy storage, um, and I mean, I mean energy storage, not just electricity storage, for uh, the last four years. We're going to give you an overview of the work that we've been doing over those four years. Um, I'd like to stand here and, uh, and tell you what we plan to do over the next four or five years, but I'm absolutely not allowed to do that. Um, the government hasn't made final decisions, and we're going through a spending review process, um, so anything that I would talk about would be subject to those things. Um, we do know that uh, energy storage, electricity storage, is something that the government's interested in because Amber Rudd, our Secretary of State, spoke about that in a, in a speech yesterday. And we do hope that the UK uh, will be able to continue with innovations in electricity storage and I think focusing on things like getting new technologies to market and demonstrations, um, as Sir David mentioned earlier, um, can be part of that uh, programme in the future. On a very bright note, um, David talked about a, a target of $100 per kilowatt hour. Um, I could name, um, I think, four different battery technologies who are all claiming to be at the $100 per kilowatt hour now, and people looking at the next generation of lithium batteries are saying that lithium can, could get to that, to that level. Maybe sodium iron um, below lithium with a very similar technology. The liquid metals with companies like Ambry, Zincare, companies like um, EOS, are all saying that they're very close to that $100. Uh, and I know of, of a technology now that is pretty much ready for demonstration um, that's targeting a, a sub $20 per kilowatt hour um, as an equivalent storage. So there, there, are, there are things that we're looking at that are now available and perhaps ready for demonstration that are easily within the cost range that we're looking for. Add that together with the increasing dropping of renewables and we're starting to get close. Unfortunately, the cost of oil production is way below current, even the current very small uh, market cost in some places in the world. So I suspect there'll be some, some balancing. So we might be seeing cheaper energy available to people as well as, uh, as, well as renewables. So electricity storage um, has been around for quite a long time. Sally, where are you going? You're... <laughs> okay. Um, the, the initial electricity storage, um, as, of, as of a few hundred years ago, um, looking at battery chemistries, um, hydroelectric, um, pumped hydro storage, <coughs> um, is over 100 years since the, the first ones. And that was rolled out at scale um, throughout the world in the 1960s. And uh, I think later in the presentation, we've got some numbers that showed the, the large amount of pumped hydro that's available. Um, those schemes have been ongoing, and more recently, newer technologies, different technologies, compressed air systems, battery systems, um, have been developed. Lithium-ion, a relatively new technology in, in the energy world. Um, interesting the 40 years since the lithium-ion battery was, was first invented. And we often talk about a 30 to 40 year cycle from um, an idea all the way through to the marketplace. Um, lithium-ion batteries being, being no exception. And more recently, uh, the different battery chemistries that are starting to come to the market. So given the 30 or 40 years it took lithium-ion batteries to become widespread, 
battery technologies that have maybe invented a few years ago, they're starting to be demonstrated in laboratories, selling one or two into niche applications now. Maybe 30 years from now, we'll see those more widespread on the grid. In DEC, we started off in 2012, actually a little bit before then, thinking um, one of the issues that we have in energy provision to people is balancing the supply and the demand, and what are the different ways of doing that. So we've had lots of work ongoing, looking at the alternatives of um, supply flexibility, demand response management, and storage. Uh, we've, done, we've produced a number of reports showing that there's considerable system benefit potential from having the storage and flexibility technologies. And so in 2013, we launched a program to demonstrate some of the new technologies. Um, we didn't get all the things that we were looking for as part of that program. Uh, we've gone ahead with what we thought were the best projects at the time. The analysis we've done since has, sh has showed us where some of the blockers are. And in any future program, we want to try to address those more head-on, looking through the supply chain as what are the commercial barriers and what are the technical barriers, and focusing on breaking those to allow things to develop at a greater scale. And that's a mixture of, of public and private sector from different parts of government in the UK, focusing on some technology development, some early stage research, research programs in UK universities, right the way through to demonstrating subcomponents and demonstrating full systems. And Sally's now going to come up and talk about that program in more detail and some of the results we've got for it. Thank you. Um, so this is just a quick overview of, uh, I, I look back at uh, the deck storage programs that we'd run specifically, and I think this kind of builds on some of the words that uh, Sir David King was saying in terms of uh, the range of storage technologies that we're likely to need in terms of the different timescales that they can operate to, in terms of different overall scale of capacity of uh, energy and uh, peak powers that they're able to give us. So just in terms of the innovation programmes that we've done, again, still the majority have been in batteries, um, some demonstrations of existing lithium-ion technologies and some earlier stage research that's trying to look at new chemistry, battery chemistries, and bring those forwards. Um, so as you can see, we've covered a, a wide range of other non-battery technologies. Um, so we're the sort of related flow batteries and then onto other techniques and power to gas with flower wheel technologies, um, uh, some pumped hydro projects and uh, thermodynamic um, and some, some other projects. Uh, which tended to be uh, work looking at, um, perhaps looking more at the, the sort of standard side, looking more at sort of broader feasibility work. So um, I'm going to speak uh, a little bit about the DEC programme specifically, uh, but, <laughs> oh, she wants, she's, Sarah's speeding me up there, I think, yes, <laughs> for that. So um, I shall go very, very quickly through these, given the dinging bell in the background. Um, <laughs> which now I know what that means. <laughs> uh, so um, the words are up on the slides here, uh, so I'm not going to go through in detail, just to say that we ran our first programme uh, in two uh, specific competitions. We had a competition that was focused on earlier stage component research, um, so particularly some of those battery chemistry technologies that we felt needed to be brought forwards. Um, uh, a number of projects there. Um, I'm not going to have time to go through them. Um, and then the other side of our DEC-specific programme was an energy storage technology demonstration competition. Um, we did 12 feasibility studies in that area, um, and then that led to us selecting uh, the four projects that we were felt were most promising for doing uh, more substantial, larger-scale demonstrations. Um, 
And if we focus perhaps here on the, the sort of technology column at the beginning, um, we have a lithium-ion battery in the home uh, where we've rolled out um, uh, 200 to 250 dwellings. We've rolled out small-scale uh, one to two kilowatt hour batteries in the home, very neat little devices, um, but the power from that can also be aggregated and fed back into the grid as well as providing some support for the, the individual homeowner in terms of peak shaving of their own power needs. Um, we have a battery project which is looking at second life recycled um, electric vehicle projects. Um, we have a vanadium flow battery um, and then we have the Highview liquid air energy project which we're going to hear more from this afternoon. Now we're going to have to skip this through. That's a very pretty picture of our four demonstration projects. Um, and there is more information on the slide sets. I know the slides will be circulated afterwards. So um, uh, feel free to speak to me or to take further information about the slides there. Um, so that's the four demonstration projects, which I'm just going to whiz through because of the bells. Um, we've had some smaller scale projects in Energy Entrepreneurs Fund. I'll perhaps just flag the very last one on this list, which is um, Upside, which is one of our newer Energy Entrepreneur Fund projects, um, which is uh, sort of latching on to the more of the sort of smart network, smart grid ideas. So it's a cloud-based surface, which is, which is looking out there and saying, do you know what, we have an awful lot of storage out there already um, in things like uninterruptible power supplies, um, on the thermal side and domestic heating systems, and it's looking to how we can really capture and make use um, on a wider network term system terms of, of all those existing um, storage sources. Um, I've flagged up the isentropic project, which is again um, the, the sort of heat engine project, which David King referred to. Um, and I'll, I'll get Nick Lawrence to wave here because I'm not going to have time to go through it. But there's Nick from Isentropic so who can tell you lots, lots more about um, their storage projects um, sort of based on the heat, heat pumps and thermal storage projects, but working in parallel, very much integrated um, with conventional gas turbine technology. Um, and as Ian mentioned, uh, colleagues in the research council and the universities, and again, we'll be hearing more about those uh, earlier stage research pushed forward by the research councils. Um, in parallel to ourselves, a lot of demonstration projects have been done uh, that have been uh, managed through the Ofgem, that's the, the UK um, energy regulator. They have a, a sort of pot of funding that they put aside for low carbon um, network funding, um, and that has supported a lot of smart system projects, and they have involved a lot of storage um, projects uh, and uh, the, one of the really great things about all these off-chain low-carbon network fund projects um, is that the information about, from it has to be shared and, and made very openly available both to the other distribution network operators in the UK, but that also means that it's also very widely public available. At the very end of my slide, I have a, a little link where you can go and find out more information about these projects, and I would certainly encourage you to um, use that resource because it's a, a fantastic wealth of documents and real detailed findings from a, a lot of these programs. Um, so it's very quick canter through. I'll ignore Sarah to my left about um, kind of what's coming up next. So in the UK, as Ian said, we have spending review figures coming through um, next week, and that will really enable us to start thinking in detail about innovation programs going forwards. 
Um, we have a National Infrastructure Commission now in the UK, and that has, uh, when that was launched on uh, October by the Chancellor in the UK, that specifically highlighted um, large-scale power storage as one of the areas that they wanted to look at. So, um, again, really interesting that that's being reflected um, at a national level and being seen as something that needs to be looked at on a, on a national basis in the same way as here we're trying to pull things together on an even wider um, international collaborative basis. Um, and also in DEC, we now have um, a specific policy team that's looking at smart energy issues, including storage, um, and they are looking more at the sort of policy, the regulatory side, things such as the licensing issues, things such as what is a legal definition of storage, um, which we don't have and I know is, um, uh, is causing problems in some areas. So that is uh, activity that's being actively taken forward in DEC at the moment and they expect to consult on their proposals um, in spring 2016. So again, a another area that's going to take things forward in the UK and, and open up that debate um, on uh, things that may restrict storage at the moment. Um, and that's a very, very quick pull it to a close very quickly, that's me. Um, and my very last slide, say, is um, some areas where you can come to for information. Um, the Electricity Good Practice Guide. Um, at the moment, it's probably easiest to come directly from me if you want information on the DEC storage project specifically. And the Off-Gem Low Carbon Network Fund projects, again, as I said, a really good resource.